Today does mark the, the beginning of a new sermon series, and it is called Saving Grace. We're going to continue through the Gospel of Luke. That's our gospel for 2022 that we'll be in and out of all year. And we're going to, this week, and, and we'll be in Luke, and then we're going to jump out for a second into Jeremiah next week, because Jeremiah was actually the first person in the Bible to talk about fishing for men and women, for people. Um, and so we'll jump back to Jeremiah and then back to Luke. What you'll notice about the lectionary readings over the coming weeks is that they all point in different ways to themes of scarcity and abundance, of trusting in God, or of trusting in the things of this world. Two of the things that Jesus taught most about were the kingdom of God and money. The two of his favorite topics. And though Jesus and Jeremiah won't be specifically speaking about material wealth in the next few weeks, the subject is always kind of hovering around the edges, inviting us to consider how we calculate wealth in our life, how we, what we consider to be success in our life. And with the Saving Grace sermon series, we're going to accept this invitation to think about those things, lean into those things. But first, I want to take a quick moment to remember where we are in Luke's gospel. Last week, we marked the end of that series that began on the second day of Christmas. So we spent these last six weeks looking at Jesus' early life and what it might have been like to grow up Jesus. The series took us from Jesus' presentation at the temple all the way to when he had to move on from his hometown in Nazareth. It was, um, it was painful last week, I think is a word for that, as Jesus had to tell his family, his friends, his neighbors, his teachers, that he did not come to heal them. Not yet, anyway. And does anyone remember how the hometown crowd responded last week? Right, they tried to run him off a cliff. And what did Jesus do? He walked right through their midst and on to the next stop. Did anyone, by the way, we had that challenge, did anyone follow him out the door and share the gospel or live the gospel, share the good news last week? And then Luke tells us that he handed from Nazareth to the lake. Jesus was also a lake person. And not Lake Okeechobee, by the way, like Anquan Bolden, but what lake did Jesus head to? Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus heads to Peter's hometown of Capernaum, which is about 20 miles away from Nazareth. And to add insult, by the way, to Nazareth's injury, Jesus begins teaching in the Capernaum synagogue, and he even starts casting out demons on his first day there. I'm not going to heal you, but what does he do? He goes to the next town and begins to heal. And straight after the synagogue, he heads over to Peter's mother-in-law's house. She was ill. She was suffering from a, a fever. And Jesus healed her. It says he cast out that fever. And he went on to heal others that night and cast out more demons. Demons, by the way, that were reminding everyone that this wasn't just Joseph's son. This was the son of God. All that in just his first day in Capernaum. Take that, Nazareth, right? Ouch. And while the people of Nazareth, Ian, did try to run him off a cliff, the people in Capernaum did the opposite. They tried to block him from leaving. They crowded around him and tried to keep him from leaving town. And so Jesus says to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent 
for this purpose. As I was thinking about these two incidents, one in Nazareth and one in Capernaum, one, a group tries to run him off the cliff after he teaches. The other, they won't let him leave after he teaches. It's no wonder that the next time we see Jesus teaching, he's on a boat in the middle of the water. Like, you can't get me (laughs) out here. And that's actually our scripture for today. This is Luke chapter 5, and it's verses 1 through 11. We read, once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, which is another word for name for the lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. And so he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. (sighs) Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had just taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching who? People. People. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, if only we could leave everything to follow you. If only we could leave our cares and our worries. If only we could leave our possessions and our obsessions behind as we give ourselves fully to you. Help us to hear from you today. You know us. You know our hearts. You made and knit together our hearts in our mother's womb. Speak a word to each of us. Help us to move closer to you, to follow you more fully. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So no doubt many of us know this moment pretty well, or at least we know that Simon, also called Peter, was a fisherman and he followed Jesus there on the shore. This call, by, by the way, appears in all four Gospels in various forms, a bit differently in each one. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have this event, Matthew's, or Peter's decision. They all have him fishing when he makes that decision. But only Luke includes this story of the overflowing nets full of fish. And we do typically talk about this moment in Scripture as a call story. You know, like Moses and the burning bush. Or Isaiah call to be God's prophet. In fact, my Bible, I don't know about yours, but my Bible calls this Jesus calls the first disciples. It's a call story. And for Peter especially, I think it's a powerful story that he is willing to leave everything behind to follow Jesus. But reading these verses again this year, I I couldn't help but notice, peeking around the edges of, of Peter's boat, 
a story about the things that hold importance in our lives, a story, a story about what it means to have plenty, a story about what it means to be successful, what it means to use one of John Wesley's phrases, what it means to earn all we can. Earn all you can. That's a phrase from a famous sermon by John Wesley. For those of you who might not know, back in the 1720s in Oxford, Wesley began his ministry, began a movement that would go on to be called Methodism. He was a powerful preacher. And early Methodist pastors, actually, they would get a a book of 52 sermons by John Wesley. And so they could go around from church to church preaching those 52 sermons. His sermon number 50 was called The Use of Money. Wesley talks about two ways that we might approach money. We can approach money as children of the world, or we can approach the topic of money as children of God. He said too often we consider money to be the root of all evil. And so we shy away from considering money to be a part of our faith life, right? That's evil. That doesn't belong in church. That doesn't belong in my relationship with God. And in today's world, more than ever, I I don't know, every time I go to the gas station, I feel like money is the root of all evil. (laughs) It is a vital part, though, of our rules, I mean, the kingdom of this world, right? Money rules from the quality of our food to the quality of education to the quality of health care. Money is too often the ultimate determining factor in our quality of life. Money really does make the world go round, and it's precisely for that reason that Wesley felt that Christians should not shy away from including money as part of our faith life, right? If everything about us is of God, shouldn't this be also? So yes, money is the root of all evil, he said, but not because money is itself evil, Rather, he said, it's the way that we use money where evil creeps in. Hence the title for his sermon, The Use of Money. Wesley boils down his instructions for Christians using money to what he calls three plain rules. And to be honest, I think they're pretty good rules. One, earn all you can. Two, save all you can. And three, give all you can. And so today we're going to hear what it means for Christians to earn all you can. When Wesley spoke about earning all you can, he said that it is here where we come closest to children of the world, right? Because certainly our society seems to promote us earning all we can, the right that we should all be trying to earn, get, steal, cheat, finagle, that's my favorite, all the money we can from wherever and whomever we can. But Wesley saw followers of Jesus going about things a bit differently. He felt that, yes, we should do our best in all the endeavors, to be our best in all the endeavors that God has placed before us, right? Earning as much as God has given us the opportunity to earn. However, he said, unlike the world, we should earn all we can honorably, not harming others, the world, or ourselves, in the process. You know, because too often we step all over one another in our attempts to earn all we can. Because, right, let's face it, sometimes and often, for me to earn more, that means someone else has to earn less. 
for me to earn more, I can't stop to think what damage my methods are causing to the world or the people around me. For me to earn more, sometimes I can't think, I can't stop to think about what damage that's causing to me, to my health, to my mental health, to my family. For Christians, earning all we can, though, he says, means living faithfully, and this word is important, I think, graciously into the places, the relationships, and the possibilities that God has placed before us. Earning all we can as a Christian means living faithfully and graciously into the places, relationships, and possibilities that God has placed before us. And so from that perspective, I don't know, I think it's no wonder that Jesus chose to call Simon Peter and his fishermen friends as his first disciples. Because there he is, there's Jesus on the shore of the Galilee. Crowds of people have once again followed him. They're pressing in. They're eager for the word of God. And Jesus sees Peter, Simon Peter, who at this point has got to be rather despondent, right? He and James and John and the rest of his fishing partners have been working all night. And what do they have to show for it? Nothing. Not a single fish. Jesus undoubtedly knew Peter at this point, and Peter undoubtedly knows Jesus, right? Because Jesus had been teaching, preaching, and healing in the synagogue in Peter's hometown. Jesus had been teaching, preaching, and healing Peter's mother-in-law. And Jesus had brought the gospel to Peter's house. The kingdom of God had come near. Jubilee is upon us. There is good news for the poor. And now typically, I always think of the disciples as poor fishermen, especially these early disciples, right? They're just poor fishermen. But, I mean, technically, in this description of Peter, you could be doing a lot worse than Peter. He has a home. He's clearly married. He had a boat. He had his own nets. And depending on how Luke intended us to read this word, koinanos, koinanos, James and John could have either have been Peter's business partners or his fishing buddies. Koinanos, his partners, his sharers, his companions. Either way, though, business was not good that day. (laughs) But it wasn't for lack of trying, right? Because Peter says to Jesus, Master, we have worked how long? All night long. And we have caught nothing. They worked all night long. Now, normally, I think we focus on the fact that they caught Nothing, right? Despite their hard work, they earned what? Nothing. I mean, you could hear Peter's frustration as he's speaking to Jesus, the Messiah, yeah, right? Like, we've got nothing. What are you thinking, Jesus? But whatever, we'll throw our nets in the water, right? (laughs) But I want to look at the beginning of this sentence. Master, we have worked all night long. They worked all night. They didn't give up. They didn't call it a night. They didn't toss in the towel when things weren't going well. They just kept tossing out the nets. They kept working. They kept trying to earn all they could, even if the the amount they stood to earn grew smaller and smaller as the night wore on. I mean, how many of us would have decided at some point that even if we did catch something, at this point, at four in the morning, it's not worth it anymore? Right? I'd rather quit and earn nothing. That's better than whatever small amount I'm going to end up with by the morning. I might as well just go home and get some sleep. 
But Peter and his partners, they stayed the course. They kept on working. They kept on trying to earn all they could, even with all they could earn turned out to be what? Nothing. And so here they were. The sun is up, the beach is getting crowded, their nets are empty, and so are their boats. And that's when Jesus walks up. And now if Jesus is coming down to interview people, to be fishers of people, interview people for the job of disciples. Like if your, res- if your job description says you must catch people and, and today's catch is Peter's resume, like would you hire Peter? <laughs> would you hire James or John? I mean, these guys can't even catch a fish and their livelihoods depend on it. Am I going to trust them to catch people when the salvation of the world depends on it? Ah, no, probably not. But that's how children of the world think of success when it comes to earning all you can. People of the world, when all is said and done, success is solely measured by how many fish you got in your net. When it comes to earning all you can, children of the world measure success by how many zeros are in your bank account. And there better be more than one zero in there, Peter. (laughs) But the kingdom of God, it ain't about how many zeros you got. In fact, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have, that Jesus kind of has a preference for the people with fewer zeros, (laughs) even the ones that only have one zero, maybe especially the one zero people. I mean, he was anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. So it's kind of fitting that Jesus chose to preach the good news today from a boat owned by one of these three (laughs) zeros. Because in the kingdom of God, they aren't zeros. It wasn't how much they earned that mattered, but the effort that they put into earning. The fact that they didn't give up. The fact that they didn't give in. The fact that they didn't stop trying. Even when it was just them, alone in the darkness, with nothing to show for it, their dreams for the night shattered, they did not give up. In fact... I don't know. That's probably exactly the kind of people that Jesus was looking for when he went out looking for partners in the kingdom. Because things were going to get hard. Not just in Jerusalem. Not just on the day that Jesus died when the whole world went dark. But even after that glorious morning when Christ rose again, even after the next time that Jesus found Peter and his partners out fishing and Peter told Jesus that he loved him, And this time, Jesus didn't tell Peter to go catch people. What did he say? He said, go feed my sheep. And things were going to be hard all throughout Peter's ministry. Even when he was the rock of Christ's church, there would be days when, for all their hard work, it would feel like there were zero people in their nets. There would be times when the night was long, when the partnership was falling apart, time spent in dark, damp jail cells, and like Jesus, he too would be crucified. And yet, And yet, what is so often counted as failure for us as children of the world is seen quite differently for us as children of God. It's not about the number of fish in the net, but rather our faithfulness and our perseverance in the face of struggle. And it's almost like Jesus performs his next miracle to emphasize this point. Because after he finishes preaching and teaching from the boat, he turns to Peter and says, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. 
And Peter, rather obstinately, I think, did what Jesus said. Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. But I'm sure you know more about fishing than we do, Mr. Carpenter. (laughs) Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And just like at the wedding of Cana, right, when we do what Jesus tells us, what happens? Miracles. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled their boats, and so that the boats began to sink. So many fish that the boats began to sink. Now that's a lot of fish. They have definitely earned all they could, and then some. Although, I guess they they didn't really earn it per se. I mean, Jesus kind of provided it, right? Out of the abundant grace of God. God is always doing that. Providing for us out of an abundance of grace. And if these fishermen seemed like single zeros before, this was on a whole nother level. We're talking about three or four zeros, right? They were set. They were doing all right. As children of the world goes, they were successful. This was a success. I mean, think about all those zeros after the one or the two or the three with those fish. Like if fishes were wishes, think of how many zeros would be in our bank account. Thank you, Jesus. But Simon Peter and his friends, they were flabbergasted, amazed, overwhelmed, afraid even. And Jesus says to them, what? Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. People. This fisherman, who on his own hadn't caught a single fish, despite his faithfulness, despite his perseverance on his own, this fisherman had caught nothing, had earned nothing. I mean, really, then all this fisherman did, he just listened to Jesus, did what Jesus asked, and he got some fish. This fisherman, though, was now Jesus' first partner in the gospel mission. And it reminds me of the words of a master to his servant in one of Jesus' parables later in Luke and in Matthew. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, in Peter's case, zero things, right? Fishing. I will put you in charge now of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But does that happiness ultimately involve how many zeros worth of fishes they caught that day? No. Does that happiness ultimately involve how many zeros are in your bank account? No. Is that how we children of God are to measure our success, even as we do our best to faithfully and graciously earn all we can? No. That's not how we measure success. And I pray that you heard that from Jesus today. Because Peter heard that. And so did James and John. Because y'all remember what happened after they brought in that monster haul of fish? After they achieved success, the likes of which these fishermen had never seen before, after they were set for life. Do you remember that when they had brought their boats, boats full of fish to shore, what did they do? They left everything. And followed Jesus. They left everything. Boats. Nets. Even that monster haul of fish. They left it behind. Because despite what the children of the world say, 
earning all they could was never about the fish. Amen? Amen.